All right, how are we doing? I am so glad to see all of you here. My name is Chris Plegenpole. I'm the lead pastor here at Wells Branch Community Church. And so if you are brand new, welcome. If it's been a long time since you've been here, like the Prindles and the Bices, look at you guys. Yeah, way to go. I'm so glad you guys are like hanging out for us. I don't know if it's for like forever for a weekend, but I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, anyway, I'm so glad you guys are here. One of the things that uh, I love to do to get to know you guys, uh, or really, I guess it's one way, so you're getting to know me, is uh, I have what's called Pastor Plex Podcast, and they went blank up here somehow. Help me out. Maybe not. Nope. There we go. There we go. So Pastor Plex Podcast, you could uh, text me a question here, and then I'm going to respond to it hopefully by Tuesday, and we'll post it there uh, weekly. I'm so excited for that, and you can tune in uh, every week. And we have a whole host of characters on now. i got Pastor Joseph, Pastor James uh, on there as well with me. So you would want to listen. It's like going to be your favorite thing. Tell a friend. All right, so then uh, we are in a series called How to Be Rich. And over the past couple weeks, me, I just wanted to summarize for you in a sentence or two what we talked about, because if you're just joining in, it's like if you're just here today, you'll be like, what was all the stuff before? So here is your one sentence recap. Or you can go back uh, to wellsbranchchurch.com and watch sermons back from year, several years ago, as well as uh, last week's and the weeks before. But uh, week one, we talked about how God owns everything, and I am his manager. In other words, um, I don't look at stuff as my stuff in the same way your kids don't look at their room as technically their room. It's your room that you let them live in, right? And it's sort of the same concept, which I know is difficult for all our kids to understand, and that's why it's difficult for us to understand. But God owns it all. I just, he's just allowing me to run his resources, okay? Second, week two, we talked about my heart always goes where I put God's money. So um, if you are a novice stock trader, you're stuck on Robin Hood like all day long, staring at that, or you just got Dogecoin, and you're like, when's it going to go up again? <laughs> like, so um, the reality is, it's like that's sort of where we go with our heart. Our heart always follows where we put God's money. And that's why um, wherever you spend money, you tend to care about those things. Okay. And now this week, uh, we're going to talk about how my home is in eternity, not in the temporary, which you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. But I think there's this, this sort of view up. Have you guys ever heard of the concept of a forever home? Okay. Usually it deals with what? Who? Where are my pet people? Do I have pet, like, animal people? What's a forever home? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, you live there till you die. It's like the, the pet people go, you're not, this isn't your temporary shelter anymore. I'm no longer fostering. I have now a forever home for you. Like, that's kind of like the reality of where you go. And then on the flip side, uh, there are like, uh, it, how many people watch like HGTV? Oh, yeah. That's where you remodel your home into your forever home because the home that you got when you, the kitchen's all wrong, and who could, who, seriously, who could live with that? Dark cabinets. I just, like, you might as well just, like, stick knives in your soul, all right? So the reality is, it's like, you can't handle um, uh, things not being up to date, and it's your forever home, so it's an investment. It's not just a waste of money, right? Okay, come on, don't lie to me. I know how this goes, okay? All right, so what happens is that we can kind of, because we're saying everything we, we, we talk about our home, we call it an investment, right? So when you buy that couch you really can't afford, and you're like, no, no, it's an investment. That's sort of how we roll with that. I think that's where we go whenever like, we uh, want something, we justify it with, it's an investment. It's not really, and this is, why, this is one of the things we're talking about. Whenever you do something that's really for you, stop calling it a sacrifice, 
right? That, that you're, you're doing something for you, and you might spend less, you might eat less now to eat more later, but that's not uh, a sacrifice, that's an investment. And the same thing is true when we talk about eternity. Stop calling it a sacrifice to give to the Lord's cause, because ultimately, that's coming back to you as a reward, to which you're like, well, when am I getting the big house then? When you get to your forever home. And that's what we're going to talk about, what your real forever home. So we're in the city, city. We're in the series, How to Be Rich. Remember, it's not how to get rich, it's how to be rich. Because all of you, if you're in here, for the most part, are already rich. And, you, and I know I get the pushback. No, I'm not rich. Because you don't understand the bills I have to pay, the things I have to do. Listen, do you have a roof over your head and food on your table? Do you have a car that you somehow drove or managed to get here? then you are in the top at least 50%. I'm willing to bet most of you in here are in the top 10%, and there's probably most of you here beyond that that are in the top 1%. And so the reality is we're already rich, and so I want to teach you how to be rich. Or, or if you're saying, Chris, I'm not rich, but I want to be one day, let me train you what rich people do. Okay, this is what we're going to do for that. All right, so that's where we're going. We're going to go to God's word for this. Um, and I'm super excited about being in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, speaking of forever homes... Uh, this past weekend, uh, I went to Virginia. My, one of my combat buddies, that uh, he lost his leg in combat, and it was really tragic, but he survived. Anyway, he has 13-year-old twin sons. And for their 13th birthday, he wanted all the men that he had respected in his lifetime to come and spend an hour with one of his sons on, as they went on a 16-mile journey carrying a 10-pound kettlebell and a, a whole bunch of stuff in their backpack. So it was like, so I got to walk... Uh, one mile, and like 15 other guys walked a mile, and so, and these poor guys, and you know, the 13th, so, and so I would give them really heavy Bibles to carry along the way, because, you know, faith is part of the journey, and <laughs> perseverance builds character, and character hope, Rah! you know, like all that, right, so, and so these 13-year-olds, we're, we're doing that, anyway, so where, where we go is this middle of nowhere, like, rustic, uh, former plantation area, and uh, on this property, there's this massive mansion. I mean, and so, you know, it's one of those that's definitely haunted. It's got windows broken out. It definitely looks like, you know, there's some, like, ghost that's kind of creepily walking in and out through the night. So I, of course, we go and we check it out because that's what you do. And so as I get into this house, uh, it's, uh, obviously it's all torn up from the inside. It's been years since anyone has lived there. And what I learned is that this was built in the 1830s, like antebellum period. And 14, 15,000 square feet of house, three stories high, like 15 chimneys, because every room had like a fireplace. It was incredible. And so as I'm going through it, I, at one point, I get into like one of the fireplace rooms. It could have been like one of the living rooms. And it has a picture on the wall of like the living room, but it was like an artist rendering of the living room from back in the 1830s. So it was like looking back into time. And it was no longer trashed out with like, you know, garbage stuff. It was somebody's actual house. It was their probably forever home for some really, really, really wealthy people. And so I, I bet you when they built that house, they're like, we're going to live here forever. And then our kids are going to live here for forever. And then apparently that didn't happen because when they died, their kids sold the property, made a quick profit off all that land. Then it became like a military school. And then it became like some nuns took it over. And it became like sort of like a Catholic sort of school, and now it's some guy bought it and made it part of his hunting ranch or land. So now deer and stuff, you know, prance around. There's grass, like, growing in part of the, the house, and so it's no longer used for anything other than a deer stand. So, uh, and that's really sad, right? You're like, this, I thought this was, like, a forever home. It's like, it was like walking. I, it's the only thing. I, I haven't been to, like, Rome, but it kind of like, ooh, ancient ruins, 
only it's like, instead of like being 1,000 years old, it's like 200. So it was kind of, it was that sort of thought. And I thought, man, I'll bet you this person thought this is a forever home. And they invested a ton of money into it. And it was amazing. And it probably at that time was just out of control, expensive. But they, just like us, aren't living in that forever home. In fact, nobody is. And so this morning, we're going to talk about why we're not content with our forever home in eternity, and we seek for it in the temporary. Now, we can have trouble investing in eternity as our forever home because we want it now, right? We want what we want when we want how we want it. We live in a Burger King world. We aren't content with our current circumstances, okay? Second, we already have it now. And, and this, I think, this might be for a lot of Americans. It's like, we don't need God because I am my own God. I already have everything I ever wanted. And so if you're trying to promise me a forever something awesome, listen, I'm going to die going to the ground, but I'm going to die in my forever home, and my forever home is going to be awesome, okay? And then I just, you just turn off the lights, and it's over. So why would I worry about that? I already have better than heaven, and I, I think I've said this a million times, you haven't graduated from your fourth grade view of heaven yet, where you're just hanging on a cloud with a harp. Or, or you're saying, I, I can't invest in attorneys in my forever home because I could have it soon. I'm, listen, Chris, I'm just one deal away. And once that deal comes in and once that thing happens, then I can finally be generous. Then I'll start you know, giving and advancing the kingdom. Then I'll start when I see you know, poor people or like, have opportunities to give. I'm going to be totally into that. But for right now, I just need to kind of grind it out for a little bit longer because I'm going to have it soon. And I think that's where we can put our hope, and that's where... Sometimes darkness can creep in. All right, so that's where we're going. Would you guys pray with me as we open up uh, our God's Word to 1 Timothy chapter 6? We'll be starting at verse 6. Father, thank you that you have engaged us fully with our forever home. And there are moments in time where we struggle to wrap our heads around that. And so God, I pray that you would bless us with the ability to clearly see all that you have for us. That more than just um, sacrificing or slaving away for an imaginary kingdom we'll never see, that we are actually investing and being very wise with what you have resourced with us with so that we can enjoy you and it in the future. So Lord, we love you. I pray that you would give us wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, okay, we're going to be at 1 Timothy. Now here's a fun thing. If you don't know your Bible because you're like, who has a Bible? And if there's one like in front of you, you can grab it and it might have like, you know, germs on it or something because we didn't wipe it down. But uh, just if you grab it, here's the fun thing about the Bible, right? Here's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books, the New Testament. Then you've got Ark, like A-R-C, like an Ark of Electricity, Ark, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, and then General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, <laughs> Philippians, Colossians, okay? And then the five T's, Thessalonians, Timothy, and Titus. So that's just for fun. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 6. Now! There is great gain in godliness with contentment. And he's going to say something classic that many parents have said to their children. For we brought nothing into the world, and then I could take you out of it. Oh, wait, that's not, no, it's not in there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. For we brought nothing into the world, and we, can take no, we can't take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we'll be content. To which many are like, well, depends on what food and what clothing. But those who desire to be rich, and this is what's hard. Remember, this is the, the, illus the illusion of rich. 
The illusion of rich. What is rich? Is it $1 more? Is it $1 more than the person next to you? It has to be a comparative thing because every one of you, if I stuck you in Africa, you would be the richest person around. So it has to be uh, something that is only used in comparison. So if I have more than the person next to me, then I'm rich. But what if it was, if I'm rich toward God and my heart is filled up, then that is how it is. But there's a difference, right? There's a richness in comparison versus a richness with my vertical relationship with God. All right, so those who desire to be rich, in other words, have more than the next guy, fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, we've said this. Money isn't evil. Money is a tool. You take a brick. It can be used for one of two things. It can be used to build a house. It also can be used to smash a window and carjack somebody, right? That's two equal, probably use, the brick doesn't care how it's used. It's not going, man, I really hope I get to carjack somebody today. No, it's going, I am a brick. I don't have thoughts. I'm an inanimate object. And that is the same with money. It's really the heart of the person that holds the brick that makes the brick good or evil. Am I right? And so here's what happens is that people fall in love with money and then all of a sudden the money owns them and they're trying to serve something, to have more of something, to enjoy more of something that something has no feeling or has no soul or care. And then we go, it is through this craving, verse 10, that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The idea is they're looking at a sword, and they're like, I'm going to run into that sword because it just would impale me. Ah, deeper. Mm, feel the pain. If I could just get a little deeper, maybe i just push it all the way through. I think that's how some of us are because we say, if I just get a little bit more, then I'll be a little bit happier. And we equate more equals happy. And you know, and I know, from all the people we've seen in... Um, politics and entertainment, that more doesn't always equal more happy. So here's what the reality is. And remember, if, I, I want you to be rich, and so you already are rich. Rich Christians here, if you're a rich Christian, you choose contentment over craving, and this is how you're rich. Do you know how you get rich? Did you know that this might be even simpler? If you spend less than you make, you are rich. Done. So it doesn't matter the amount of income that you have. You spend less than you make. You always have enough. Therefore, i.e., ergo, rich. Rich Christians choose contentment over craving. Now, you know who has a real hard time with uh, contentment over craving? My sons. Okay. Does anybody else here have, well, first off, for my younger people, did you have Pokemon cards when you were a kid? Maybe you don't have to be young for that. All right. All um, right. All right, so my kids love Pokemon, and they love Pokemon cards. And um, for a while, we thought we'd really help them invest in Pokemon cards. We got them binders and little, like, the clear path thing. They could put all the Pokemon cards in because I understand value, okay? Listen, if we're going to collect these things, let's do it right. And so um, they lasted in the sleeves for about two days. And then, um, then Titus and Austin started rolling in the Pokemon cards, and like wrestling on the Pokemon cards, and Pokemon cards were ripping, and I soon realized that I cared more about the value of the Pokemon cards than they did. And that's when we went to a massive tub, right? The big tub thing. And so 
Uh, now, when we want their room clean, we just say, you have to put all the Pokemon cards in that tub. If you don't put them in the club, we'll put them in the tub, and then we'll put it in Mommy's closet where you can't reach them. Okay, so that's how that goes. And so what happens is they, um, they have this entire tub full that they never look at now. And But whenever we go to the grocery store, and it's the, the question is, with like the eyes, lips, Daddy, Pokemon cards. must have some. <laughs> and there's this, you're just like, oh, you know, you're just like, man, uh, what's $5? Now listen, if all the times I gave stupid $5 to Pokemon cards and I was a better parent and I said, no, I'm going to invest in your college tuition. And then over time, that money would compound and interest and then savings and then things would happen and they're going to Harvard, right? But no, but no, I give in. I give them the stupid Pokemon cards because they want the craving of the moment and I want them to stop whining, okay? <laughs> sorry, sorry, I got, man, I'm so sorry. I, I need to overcome some of my issues. <laughs> All right, we need someone, right, we need to do parental counseling with Chris later. Okay, so what, what happens is, is that what, we get involved in the moment of the craving and the thing. And it doesn't have to be Pokemon cards. You can just think whatever the thing is and you get in there and you're like, I gotta have it. And I'm willing to sacrifice, risk, whatever, because all that future stuff doesn't matter because I want it right now. And I don't care if in about five minutes I'm gonna get tired of it, throw it back in the other box of the other Pokemon cards, but I want it now. And this is, it's not just kids. You guys know this. Um, I have periods of time where I'll want to like lose weight, you know, just like how people do. And then Adrian buys like a vat, like a vat of cookie dough. To which normally I'm like, oh, who would eat cookie dough? Like, that's just gross. And then Adrian eats some and makes some cookies. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm, I'm just going to get like one spoonful, you know, because, you know, I just want to taste it. And the next thing you know, I'm just like, <laughs> because the craving of the moment is better than the contentment of like not eating way too much cookie dough and saying, I'm going to risk the future for the right now. We do it all the time. And it's in funny things like cookie dough. But it's in not funny things like porn. It's like, I want to spend all my time, I want to I be efficient with my time, I'm going to get up early, and all of a sudden we, we're up till 2 a.m. on some porn site, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, we're like wrapped up in darkness and shame and all that stuff. We're like, how did that happen? How did I get here? Or we want to save for retirement, not so we can go walk along seashores and pick, pick up shells, but so we can pay ourselves in the future to do ministry for the Lord and push the kingdom forward uh, and not have to work for an employer other than Jesus. But instead, we eat it. Like, we're going we're to go out again. And listen, I'm not thumbs down on eating out. Listen, I'll, trust me, McDonald's has saved us many a time. But, but the reality is, is that if that becomes our like, we always are giving into the craving, whether it's to stop the crying or whether it's to stop the hunger or the lust of the flesh or I want what I want when I want it how I want it now. Then we miss something. Okay, so that's because we focus on what we can see. And now I want you to watch this. Check this out how Paul teaches us how to um, lean into Jesus and not get destroyed by the deceitfulness of wealth. Check out verse 11. 
In fact, he's going to do two things. As for you, Timothy, and as for those rich people, he's going to kind of give it two different ways. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. In other words, flee the pursuit of money. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Don't just delete uh, your retail trading app for uh, your stocks. Don't just delete it. Fill it up with good stuff. Otherwise, you're just going to find another functional savior to dig into, don't we? Like, and sometimes you're like, listen, at least I'm not doing this, but you will at least I'm not looking at porn. I'm just binge watching eight, you know, Game of Thrones. Pretty much same thing, right? And so what happens is that we can kind of give up one thing for another thing, and we're just functionally saving ourselves to cope with life, and we're never actually engaging Jesus, and we're never enga- engaging people. So flee from that stuff. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, remember that time when you got saved and you trusted Jesus and you made the good confession, the presence of many witnesses, and you said, I want Jesus more than anything else. And I think for what happens with a lot of Christians, can, can we just be real? We, we, did, we got saved when we were eight years old and we're like, check that one off now. And then we look no different than the rest of the world. To which non-Christians look at us and go, what do you have that I don't already have? You got the same stresses, the same things, the same darkness, the same things I got. The only difference is you guys throw a Jesus on top of it, and then you sort of like dance around that like it's some sort of coping mechanism that's working. And I know, and you know, that you're just about to get divorced like everybody else. And so that becomes a problem. And this is where he said, look, he said, listen, Timothy, that's not you. And then he's going to point it. Uh, he's going to say, listen, as you're pastoring these rich people, here's what you want you to say to them. Ask for the rich. In this present age, which I'm, I like this, the present age, meaning there are people that have more than others in the present age, but when we get to eternity, it's probably going to be flipped. Charge them not to be haughty. That's a fun word for being proud. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, because you and I know that one day a meme stock goes up by a gazillion percent, and the next day it drops like a rock. And then you're like, dang it, I got in too late. And then you've lost all your money. All right. We don't need to get into my problems. Okay. But on God, who richly provides us with everything. Okay. So look, your hope can't be on the uncertainty of riches. It has to be on God. So not on the Pokemon cards, but on the daddy who owns all the Pokemon cards that you get to use sometimes. So look, rich Christians hope in the eternal, not the temporary. Okay, let's, let's do a, since we're on, I'm, I've been on this investing kick for a little bit, so we're just going to ro- keep riding this thing. All right, so do you guys remember um, in, the, in the 80s? Let's go back to, do I have any 80s people here like you were a kid in the 80s? Okay, yeah, all right, all right. So, um, so back in the day, they had these things called VHS tapes. Okay? And what you would do is you get this contraption called a VCR. And you take this large thing, it was like yay big, and then you'd push it into there and it'd go, and then it sounded like it was eating it. And then you were sort of worried for a moment that it wouldn't kick it out or sometimes it would spit it out and then there'd be like this tape all over the place. Sorry, I digress. Anyway, during that time, and when I lived in the DFW area, there was this store that opened up and it was exciting because it had more of these VHS tapes than anybody, like a collection of thousands. It was Blockbuster. 
And it was a blockbuster night and mom and me would watch and we'd be like, oh, laughing and we'd have the popcorn and it was a glorious thing to experience blockbuster nights, okay? Now, if I had my wits about me at like eight years old, I would have bought stock and I would have been killing it, right? I would have been a billionaire if I could have just invested a couple grand, even like a hundred bucks. I would have been on top of the world for about 15 years. And then there's this other thing that came about called Netflix. And then, and then Redbox. And then all of a sudden, the great blockbuster empire crumbled. And if you didn't sell, you started with nothing. And then you ended with nothing. It's all about timing in the market is what I'm trying to get across here. No, don't do that. But there is some sense of timing, right? Here, watch this, watch this. You know, you know that you're not going to live for forever on this side of earth. You know that. You know that. This is where you can time the market. You start investing in the kingdom of God now, then your return when you get there will be ginormous. And I think the problem is, you're like, <laughs> you, you, this is where you kind of give me a... <laughs> That's sweet. You're telling me to invest in something that doesn't exist. This is the great Ponzi scheme of church people. Unless you come to grips with the reality that life isn't forever and you can't take it with you. Um, last night, I was on uh, an airplane coming back from Virginia, and I sat next to this lady. She was like uh, 21 and... Uh, it was her first time being on an airplane, uh, and so she was just like, you know, white-knuckling everything, and I'm like, first time on an airplane? Or like, first time on an airplane? And she's like, uh-huh. You know, it, was, it was very challenging to communicate. Anyway, uh, so then uh, she's white-knuckling it. She's like, are we going to be okay? And I said, listen, here's what you do. Just watch the flight attendants. When they freak out, that's when you know it's your turn to freak out. Until then, you're probably pretty good. She's like, that's some solid advice. And I'm like... I got more for you if you want. No, anyway, so I went, then I went and we started talking and uh, she told me that she, had, she was on a trip and she was going to go see the world. I'm like, wow, 21, seeing the world, what, what's the occasion? She's like, and she lets me in on some like heavy news. I have brain cancer. And um, the doctors told me I only have a year to live. And I'm like, wow, this must be like gospel presentation. I'm like, okay, I've got to tee it up here. And she's like, uh, and so I'm going to go visit L.A., and then after that, I'm going to go to New York, and then I'm going to go to the entire Mediterranean seaboard, and I'm going to go see Europe. And it's like all in a year. It's like all in a year. I've already got the trips planned out. I've got, I got the money saved up. I'm going to go spend it on that. And I go, have you thought about dying death? She's like, you know, I'm good. You know, you know it's just going to end. And I'm, I made my peace with God. And I go, really? How'd you do that? She's like, well, I know I did a lot of stuff wrong, but I'm good with myself. I go, How, okay, how's that working for you? to which she shared about the brokenness of relationship, the brokenness of friendships, the brokenness of like everything, of like how she couldn't trust any, anyone or anything, including church people. And so she doesn't want to hear about the Bible and our Christian sex ethic. She doesn't want to live anything like that. She has no desire for that. It's just that you guys are just trying to control us. So I'm at this awkward moment. Where I'm like, this could be a really crazy argument or the Lord's going to break through and we're just going to have like a really cool talk. And I said, listen, I want you to imagine a God that loves you. No, like really loves you. And I don't know what happens. 
But I think people don't think about that. Because when you talk about a God who loves you and wants to meet you right where you are, meet you in sin, darkness, all the stuff, and he wants you. There's something to that that just like sort of wets the soul and makes it a little bit more ripe. And at some point I, I go, she's like, I'm not ready for all that right now. And I say, hey, would you mind if I pray for you? And she's like, yeah. And I prayed for healing over here and I just said, God, would you do a Holy Spirit work? And then, uh, amen. And she goes, you know what? It's really weird. Another lady just did this to me about three weeks ago. Just random person came out of nowhere and started praying over me. And I don't know any of you Christians. I don't want to know any of you Christians. Why you guys keep praying over me? And I said, don't you understand that God's pursuing you, loving you, wants to have a relationship with you? And it might be that God set me right next to you so that you could have an experience to meet him and connect with him. And I think this is the problem, the struggles that, listen, because most non-Christians look at us as Christians and go, you have no other hope than the stuff that I have hope in. What makes you different? But if we can proclaim the greatness of a God of eternity, it will transform the way we live in the temporary. It changes everything. In fact, this is the part where, listen, I'm, I'm not thumbs down on vacations, by the way. I'm not thumbs down on like uh, enjoying life. That's, that's not me. But what I want you to see is there's a greater purpose that we should be advancing the kingdom and live in purpose and not accidental our, our way through lives. Now, look at this, look at this. Look at verse 18. He's about to tell, Paul's going to write to tell us about what exactly that looks like. Because I think I say, invest in the eternal, invest in the eternal. It's like, just spit it out. What exactly do you want me to do? Well, look, here rich people are to do good. Okay, good. What does that mean? Okay, do good. Don't do bad. Got it. Be rich. Well, I could be rich in good works. Oh, okay, got it. In good works. To be generous and ready to share. All right, rich people, that's you. You are the rich people. You, me, we're the rich people. Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. Listen to me. This is not a sacrifice. It's an investment. Stop bellyaching about, I just get all that water is my money. No, we want you to invest. If the kingdom of God is real, listen, if it's not, then don't give to it. Don't do it. But if it is, it's the only thing that's real. Watch. So that they may take hold of, what, of that which is truly life. Everything else right now is imaginary. Remember, yesterday is gone. Never to get in. You'll have maybe a Facebook photo of that cool event that you did on Saturday, yesterday, and then it'll pop up in your memories, but you can't go back there. Whereas there is a future of eternity, which is a forever place, a forever home, where you get to spend it with Jesus. And so this is it. Rich Christians invest in their eternal home by being generous in the temporary. Now, this is what's so cool. Here's a Bible verse that you can hang on to. Proverbs 16, 11 says this. When you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. To me, if the God owes me something, I'm pretty excited about that. Now, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean listen, this is where we're like, all oh, right, sweet, I'm going to give it a lot to the poor and the Maserati and then the new house and Tesla. No, I'm, what I'm saying is that you inv this is an investment strategy. You give to the poor, you, you lend to the Lord, and then he is going to make sure he rewards you. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? 
So um, over the past year, um, yeah, year to date of our fiscal year, we've given away uh, over $30,000 to uh, our local community people. People will come to our church and be like, hey, I can't pay my rent. Hey, just lost my job. Hey, medical bill. Hey, um, my kid is sick. Hey, my stuff, things, bad things happen. And, um, and then Ben Dion right there, he goes and meets with them. And he's like, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for sins, rose from the dead. And do you want to receive that? And they're like, no, but can I have some money? And he's like, yes, because we want to show you how much Jesus loves you. And so then when we give them money with no strings attached, now, granted, we don't like just hand them a wad of cash. We, we write a check to their apartment or we write a check to their uh, electric company or all that stuff. That's kind of how that works, just FYI. And then guess what? We ran out. We got no more money to give. Ben's like, you know, he's doing the whole, like, I got nothing in my pockets, you know. Uh, and so now we're at a place where we need some more money. And this is, again, this isn't a drive-by guilting. Like, this is not that. It's like, do you want to invest to give to um, the poor and then lend to the Lord? And so one of the ways you can do that is if you go to our wellsbranchchurch.com, giving, go to benevolence, put some money in there for us so that we can keep doing ministry to those that are in, you know, we're surrounded by 20 apartment complex. Many of them are subsidized by the government. And so people are struggling. And it's our joy to serve and love people right where they are at. Or um, we have another opportunity for you. To, like you're like, okay, I don't want to, that's not my thing. I want a different way. And I want to give you, provide an alternative option. You know, our mission team is going to Tanzania. Where are my Tanzania people? Where are you guys at? Sam over here. I got a couple of you. Is it just Sam? They just skipped church apparently. No, I was just kidding. Uh, but we're, they're going to visit the Myers uh, in Tanzania. And they are 15, 20 missionaries. And they have a whole host of orphans that they're like trying to clothe and take care of. And what I wanted you to see is that um, here's a great way for our church to partner with global poor people who are legit poor. In fact, here's one kid. Um, we're going to call him David just because that makes the name easier. Uh, he's got his clothes are size small. Uh, and his shoes are size 13. Now, usually when dudes read size 13, they're like, that guy's got monster feet. That's because you don't have kids. And uh, that because kid sizes are really weird. So he's got size 13 kids' shoes, okay? And he's got small. And so I have an entire list uh, back in the back that Jen Barrett has. She'll give you like, has this cool, cool QR code. And I would love for you, you actually just take a picture or something of this, like get it here. And it's got all the orphans that we're going to be trying to provide for and send clothes with our mission team. So make sure you give Sam a lot of uh, clothing to put in his suitcase and he would appreciate that and just trying to figure out how to do it. So there's, uh, we got like 19 orphans in there that they're specifically trying to care for. And we can make a difference in these 19 orphans' lives. Huge. As well as send sunscreen for albinos that are over there that they get cancer on a yearly basis because they can't protect themselves from the sun because they are living in Africa and their skin has um, like no melanin to protect themselves. All right. So here is the reality. I want us to be at a place where we are, have a heart for the poor globally. And when you do that, you invest in your forever home. So then my question for you, where's your forever home? Where is your forever home? Is your forever home right here? And you're doing everything you can to update and make it right and make it the thing and you're going to nest and you're going to make it better and you're going to improve it and you're putting no resources to God's kingdom. 
And uh, this morning, uh, if you are not a Christian, my hope for you is that you would have a forever home with Jesus. That you would believe that Jesus came, and he didn't just come, but he came and he died on the cross. And he rose from the dead. And that is the entire message of Christianity. It's not about being good people, because you can't be good people. It's that he was good people for you, died for you when you recognized you couldn't be good. And then he conquered death and the grave because he is greater than death. And everybody has the death disease. And so if you are a person who wants to believe in Jesus, my heart my, is for you is that you would pray that Jesus, please save me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose to death. Holy come into my heart and make me the person you want me to be. And if you've been a Christian for a while, but your forever home looks a little bit more temporary, then I want you to start to be rich, be generous, and give so that you can invest in your forever home and remind you of where your ultimate hope is. So the one way that we remind ourselves of this is that we take communion or the Lord's Supper. In fact, there's little cuppy things around you under in the seat in front of you, and they have like a little wafer, and I have real bread, so haha for you, and eventually I'll let you guys have some of mine. But one of the things that Jesus did on the night before he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you're a Christian, this is what Christians do. We, we take the Lord's Supper. If you're not a Christian, don't take it. It's weird. But if you are, if your whole hope fell on who Jesus is and your hope for the future and your forever home is in Jesus, then I want you to take this bread because our souls feed on Jesus like our stomachs feed on this bread. And that same night, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. His blood shed for us because of our sin and it's in that that we put our hope. And our hope isn't in anything else but in him. We can't repay for our sin. We can't do enough to overcome it. Jesus made it all. And so we're going to uh, pray, and then we're going to take about 30 seconds, and then we're going to just confess our sins and the darkness of our heart. And then we're going to take communion together. Can you guys do that with me? If you're not a Christian, don't take this. But if today is the day you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, this might be your first act of faith is taking communion alongside us. Let's pray. Father, I know that you're working in and through the hearts of people. And Jesus, we need you more than ever. And so God, this morning, I'm praying that for somebody who doesn't know you, they would step over that line of faith and say, Jesus, I need you. You have the answer to death. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me the person you want me to be. And Father, I know there are those here that really have gotten stuck into their temporary home calling it their forever home and got confused. 
And Jesus, would they just be reminded of that, dig into you, run to you, and let their hearts be generous. Lord, we love you. Help us to remember the cross, not just in the day of our salvation, but right now. We love you, Jesus. Amen. I want you for a moment just to think about what would happen if you went from a mindset of this place on earth is my forever home to this place in eternity is my forever home. And you got generous with the poor. You were ready to share with those in need. And even today, you said, I'm going to go make a difference and even of people I don't even know and kids I've never seen. That sort of view on eternity will change and impact how you live right now and make it way better. Because that's the thing that happens when we pray this little prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Christians all of a sudden be the thing that we always thought we could be. change you, your family, this church, and that city. Would you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who aren't all just in it for what I can have now, the way I want it, when I want it, how I want it. And be a people who are invested in the kingdom of God, pushing back against the darkness of sin and hopelessness. Go. Have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.